1: Like a, like being a writer, but, but that's only half of it or a third of it. Of
2: Right, you know? I'm also and, an idiot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm a father, I'm an I'm idiot. idiot, and I'm a writer.
2: Exactly. I'm Alex Higley. And I'm
1: Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm, I'm a writer, writer but... Bye. Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Chris Malcolm Belk, whose work has appeared in Granta, Black Warrior Review, The Rumpus, and elsewhere, and has been supported by the Sustainable Arts Foundation. He lives in Philadelphia with his partner and their three young children. Find out more at his website, chrismalcolmbelk.com, K-R-Y-S-M-A-L-C-O-L-M-B-E-L-C.com. Welcome, Chris. Welcome.
0: You so much. I am so excited to be here, and part of the reason why I'm so excited is because there are um, no more venues for me for reading new work. So oh. I would love to do that.
1: Yes, yes, I'm so excited to hear this.
0: Okay, so I just released a memoir this week, um, and I'm trying to figure out kind of like what I'm doing with my writing life. Um, So I've been giving myself some prompts and my current prompt is to write about what I made for dinner. That's Mm. the like open-ended prompt. Yes. Um, I'm going to read about what I made for dinner one night. Awesome. (laughs) This has not seen any sort of light of day. So you all are my test audience. That's
1: my favorite kind of writing.
0: Same. Super, well, here we go. (laughs) Anna is in a foul mood and I ask dumbly, what can I do? So often there is nothing I can say, so little I can do. Today is a day that has run away from us and it is still running. All morning I was on the phone with work and Anna was supposed to be cleaning the kid's room where the dog with his infernal urinary tract infection peed this weekend. But instead she was on the phone with auto garages because someone smashed the front windshield of our car yesterday. We stood in the street debating rock or baseball bat while waiting for friends to text us back It has been called to my attention over the years by multiple editors that I do not know anything about how to use a comma. They do not say so outright, but in the margins, the little comments appear, all of them relating to commas. In drafts, I just put them in where it makes sense and hope for the best. I put them in where it makes sense, comma, and hope for the best. Sometimes I just can't be bothered. In between spending time on the phone and trying to manage our five-year-old, Anna had to walk our friend's car back to her house over a mile away. She had borrowed it to get to work. Maggie lives in a similarly weird part of Philadelphia to ours, kind of full of noise and trash, but you get to walk through the really nice parts to get to it. I Googled tumor subtypes because I did not recognize the acronym the oncologist used in the email. If I write the acronym here, it will become realer than I want it to be. The thing about grammar is that it has nothing to do with how my mind works or remembers. If two things happen in a sentence together, a comma can separate them, but a semicolon will not do because they are happening at the same time. While I am living today, writing my patients' notes in their charts, I am also living yesterday, standing in the street looking at the busted car, quietly wishing we lived literally anywhere else on earth. When I write in my patients' charts, I write choppy sentences requiring no commas. Current concern for the patient is lack of progress in reading. Patient knows some letters and sounds. School has offered small group reading intervention. Explain possible impact of oncology diagnosis and treatment on learning. Provided materials from children's oncology group. will continue to follow reading progress. Please do not hesitate to contact me with further school concerns. What makes someone wanna smash a stranger's car? Then I tell myself, look around. It is a heat wave and the drain outside our house smells like absolute death. People have been leaving bulk trash at the end of our street more than ever before. Everyone must be leaving our block or neighborhood or maybe the city altogether. I never see them do it. A few weeks ago, it was an empty printer, not like a laser printer. It was an office copy machine in what may have been its entirety at one point, but soon it became like one of those molded bird feeders eaten away slowly until a few parts were left and the trash truck finally came to take it away. The thing is, a comma may indicate where you are supposed to pause, but what control do we have over the place where the mind gives itself a minute? While one thing happens, another thing also happens. Our five-year-old has a horrific scrape on their foot and is acting like they cannot walk at all. Without thinking yesterday, I resurrected the stroller from the basement. Without thinking, they became a baby again. Days are not only not moving, comma, they seem to be moving backwards. As a baby, our third child was legitimately my best friend, my only friend when we moved to Michigan. But today, our child was just so in the way of my work and Anna getting anything done. I meant to go to the gym to skip cooking, but instead I stayed made sheet pan dinner, chicken and potatoes and cauliflower roasted with whatever random spices I had on hand. I have been listening to a lesbian romance novel in the kitchen to feel something. While I cooked and cleaned downstairs, comma, Anna rage scrubbed the rug in the kid's room, free of dog pee. I wanna make everything better with dinner. Sometimes you just eat because it's dinner time. Sometimes things aren't going to get better, but of course there are brownies, my last resort, from start to finish, they take between 30 and 35 minutes, one bowl, no recipe, all things we always have. What is love at this stage in my life but a stupid devotion to trying? That is it.
1: I, I can just relate to everything you just said. <laughs>
2: That's great. That was great. Oh, Chris.
1: my God. I can't believe that was just a, an unedited prompt.
0: Yeah, everything I write is a prompt, so it's nothing, nothing new here.
1: <laughs> how do you, how do you come up with these prompts? Like, where do they come from?
0: I don't know. I feel like, because I, I mean, I think everyone that you all have on your podcast has a lot going on, mm-hmm. but I feel like prompts are fun. And a lot of the stuff I write about, like, isn't that fun. So it's a way for me to like feel excited about what I'm doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: So like, if it has that structure, then it feels like play, even though like my mind is kind of grim and I know that I'm going to end up writing about like hard
2: feelings I have.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How long did it take you to find that way into drafting new work? Was that something that you had to really search for or was it something that kind of was a natural starting point early on?
0: I mean, I think like I started off as a fiction writer and I went to graduate school for fiction and. Um, I was a pretty untrained writer at that point. I had taken, I don't know, two or three fiction workshops um, as an undergrad, but I did not study English or writing. And then I worked as a special education teacher for a bunch of years. And then around the time, right before my third baby was born, I decided to go get an MFA in fiction. Um, And I was writing these stories that were like extremely long and plotless, like nothing (laughs) nothing was happening. And I feel grateful that I got into any schools at all, but it just wasn't working. And I think going to school and being exposed to some more experimental nonfiction and just seeing people do things out of like the truth and might have a boring life. So I feel like I'm writing about boring things a lot of the time. Like I got ideas that other people had done the same thing, like that they were looking at like documents or photos or you know thinking about um etymology which is like kind of a trope in creative nonfiction that i also use but just (laughs) just, people were like assigning themselves things to do and i was like that's something that i know i can write successfully and i just like started coming up with weird prompts a lot of which never turn into anything and are horrible failures but like that's how i keep it fun
2: that's awesome
1: where do you keep your horrible failures? Do you ever go back to them?
2: I have a lot of
0: Google docs of doom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do with them?
1: (laughs) You know, I like to visit them and pet them. And I like to, you know, like reassure myself that there's like a good sentence in there sometimes. Um, Although I do, I will say I do have uh, a few, that I've never reopened just because I'm, I'm just filled with dread, (laughs) even Mm -hmm. thinking about them. But I was going to say like the writing that you, um, that you just read, I feel like it's, it's an example of something that like, that your feelings about it might change over time because it's such an, it's such an immediate piece, but it's also, it's got this distance to it as well. It's so wise. um, And I, and I, I feel like it's the kind of thing that you might like read later and think oh my god I didn't even notice that in this and I'm not I don't know what that is but but it just feels (laughs) like it feels like such an honest I don't know I it it feels like something that is is like rich with um rich with meaning and and even beyond like the meaning that I immediately grasped as you were going I don't have like anything for you to say after that it's just. (laughs) Just something that I was thinking about because I was so moved by
0: it. I appreciate that. I think like I, when I started um, having to talk about my book a lot, which hadn't been a thing until recently, and now I feel like I'm being asked to talk about it all the time, Mm -hmm. um, I am asked about the same things over and over and I almost feel like my writing right now has this feeling of being like and another thing and like just (laughs) like kind of responding to some of these ideas about Mm -hmm. like linear storytelling and why it doesn't mean anything to me and um like family life and writing about dailiness and what do you do for a living like all of those questions I just like I'm being asked to talk about and I'm like I feel like I can write better than I am performing in any of these like times when I'm prompted to talk about the book in a structured setting, if that makes mm. sense.
1: Absolutely.
2: It does make sense.
1: Was there anything that you were asked that like surprised you?
2: Um,
0: I got asked about my partner and me meeting playing rugby, which is something that no one has ever heard. <laughs> <left. laughs> a key detail. Um, and I'm like into working out. So I'm always... I'm always into talking about that. It's like taken different forms in my life. It's very like interesting to me that that uh, new Allison Bechtel book just came out. That's about just like fitness throughout the lifespan because I feel a lot of like kinship with that.
1: Is it out already?
0: It is, yeah. Oh. I, got it, I got it the day that it came out because I have no self-control. I was like- No, oh, I oh, love I, Alison I, Bechtel. Yeah, it's good. It's very different. It's very colorful, but I-, mm. I
1: Are you still doing CrossFit?
2: That's what I was just going to (laughs)
0: ask. I am doing CrossFit. I didn't do it like during the pandemic um, Mm -hmm. for a long time because like the pandemic was happening. And they had their different, I go to like a very progressive queer owned gym that's like not actually affiliated with CrossFit anymore. It's one of those like gyms that used to be a CrossFit gym that then divested from CrossFit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just went back like two or three months ago and I'm Mm -hmm. in absolutely the worst shape of my life like way worse than postpartum which is like I thought would never happen to me um but it's okay it's all acceptance of the body as part of my life project so I'm Mm -hmm. trying there
1: man ain't it the truth
0: (laughs) I I, I'm not successful at it but that's what I'm trying to tell myself you know it's like a fake it till you make it
2: type of thing yep 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 so what, uh, when you were actually, I'm sorry, the CrossFit, I just, I have one more CrossFit question. Yes. When you were, when you were really in it, let's say pre pandemic or, you know, whenever you were going most often, you were going like two or three times a week doing that.
0: No, that's definitely not how much I was going when I was most into it. Like okay, I was most, so my journey with CrossFit is long. It's in the book, like a co- it comes up in different yeah. contexts just because it's been with me for a long time. So, um, I was a competitive Brazilian jiu-jitsu athlete. Um, yeah. in my young adulthood, I like was really into jiu-jitsu, and I did it like every day after work, like I would go teach and then I would go to the gym and just like be on the mat for like hours and hours. And that was my every day. And, um, I was married and Anna's always worked nights and we like our, our separate times. So it was like a great, like I just had this thing that I did all the time. Um, And at one point, my coach, I was never that like actually good at the competitive part, but I really enjoyed the sport. And my coach told me that I should drop a weight class and I would have a better time um, like at tournaments. And we were not like bosom buddies. So he didn't know like I have a history of eating disorders, which I Mm -hmm. like, I really write about everything in my book because Mm -hmm. it's formerly private thoughts that are now public thoughts. Um, But yeah, I wasn't going to be like, no like no phil i had anorexia i can't do that i was instead like i am gonna be the strongest lightweight on earth like oh i need to like get so much stronger so i joined a crossfit gym um and that was when like anna started doing crossfit right before she got pregnant with our first kid and she's like not an athlete it was like a, how can i make adult friends this seems like a place where people go to make friends <laughs> um and I just got really into it, and I I kind of stopped doing jujitsu um, when we had our first kid, and I probably then started going to CrossFit. Like I was probably going four or five times a week at some. Oh point. my lord! It's just an hour. It's like so. It's so doable with our life and schedule for me to say like I'm gonna go somewhere for an hour and ten minutes with drive time mm-hmm. versus being like. I'm at jujitsu and I'm like kind of training and I'm kind of chatting and we're doing matches and then we're resting and then we're doing more matches and it's like three hours. Like that's not doable for my life. So this is better. But now I probably go like twice a week. And then I like half-heartedly jog around Philadelphia while listening. to podcasts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used to run and, um, and train for races and stuff. And now when I see people doing that, I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that's not me. <laughs> oh, man.
0: I am like a struggle runner. Like you would not. think. That would me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you find any, like, um, I think about this all the time. Like there's an endurance to working out and especially the kind of working out you're talking about and an endurance to sitting down and getting the work done. Do you find like, cause you're, you're, you're adept at giving yourself these prompts Mm -hmm. and, you know, and sort of like being patient with yourself in terms of like figuring out where your writing is going. Do you feel like there's like a crossover there? Does, Does the working out part of your life speak to the writing part of your life and vice versa?
0: I do. I mean, as toxic and like gender, Weird CrossFit is, mm-hmm. especially it's been weird for me throughout the span of CrossFit because I was like a competitive women 's athlete when I started, and then I started a testosterone, so I've like done all of the different iterations of like being a female athlete, being a male athlete now i'm like I look like a dude, but I haven't taken hormones in a really long time, so like mm-hmm. I'm not actually strong anymore so there's like there's a lot of gender weirdness with it, but what I love about CrossFit is that they tell you what to do mm-hmm. like. Mm -hmm. I love that about it that's what I liked about playing organized sports and what I could never get into about like just going to the gym to lift weights or run on the treadmill I'd be like well I can stop at any time because no one told me (laughs) to get on (laughs) Um, I think why I um, started doing this prompt dependent writing even though I'm the only person that I'm trying to please I'll like set a deadline that I often I'll be like this contest is open or like whatever it is at the time or this journal that I like is opening for submissions then I'll just like write to that and mm-hmm. I'll have prompt in mind to do. I'm like like the, there's a section in the book that's um a series of flash essays that are all titled by words that first appeared in print in the year I was born mm-hmm. that like clearly just a weird made-up prompt like that so it's like just the conceit that I had but I wrote that essay we I had a winter break from school and my kids were off from school and we were really broke so Anna signed up to work like seven night shifts in a row like 12 oh my hours god. nights. Oh my
2: god and I was Jesus.
0: like it's just like such an endurance event for everyone in our family getting through this like winter break And there's 10,000 feet of snow outside. And I was like, but this is a doable thing. I wanted to write something over winter break, and this is going to be fun. And I'm just like reading the dictionary, and I have these 12 words, and I'm going to just try to write things that come from it. And like, I don't think that it came together in a week. Like, that is not my process, but Mm -hmm. it helps me do something.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like keeping it alive, you know, like just always dipping in.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I know that people, Write just some of the people that I follow on Twitter, their word counts are terrifying to me, and their working (laughs) behaviors are (laughs) terrifying to me. They're Um, lying. Okay. (laughs) Like, I think of like someone like, so I don't know Matt Bell, but he taught the program where I went, and I'm like, is this real? (laughs) Matt
1: Bell doesn't sleep. That's the only thing that makes sense. (laughs) Because he, like, not only is he writing. Four million books a year but he's also like living a rich life
0: <laughs> like, and running like it takes time to run miles even if you run fast i know that much so i
1: know, I know. and he's like and then i cooked this pizza homemade <laughs> vegan whatever and then this is the beer i brewed and like you know yeah. i don't think he's closed his eyes in eight years
2: yeah, um, I, can't, I can't relate to any of that i can't i don't, I don't work out at all zero i I can't even imagine incorporating it in my week like twice. So I'm impressed by anybody who's able to work out and get any writing done and be a parent and have a job. That's amazing.
0: I have to, I get to, i now, this is my first desk job I've ever had in my life. And I've had it now for almost two years and I've never lived like a nine to five life. And I, when I don't exercise, I'm so tired from mm-hmm. sitting and looking at my inbox. So <laughs> yes. <it's,
2: laughs>
0: oh, God.
1: Yeah, it's weird how it, it actually gives you more energy. I mean, it's true what they say. Like, it's that's, as much as it I, sucks. Oh God,
2: that's what I hate about it. It's like, <laughs> I feel so much better. It's like, God damn it.
0: <laughs> I feel the same way recently about writing in the morning, which I'm trying to do recently for the first time ever in my life. Like, <laughs> writing for Now my kids are old enough where I'm not worried that they're going to, like, do something terrible if I'm not watching them. So I've tried to write early, and I'm like, unfortunately, this is really good for me. I don't mm-hmm. want to. Sleep. I want to sleep, but it. <laughs> okay.
1: I know. I my I'm I'm heading into summer break, and so like my eight year old's going to be out of school, and my five year old has been out of school, and you know I have a three year old as well, and so I'm like, okay. Oh, it's hitting me that like I will have no time to write during the day. So I've been Mm. doing the same thing. I've been waking up early and writing, and it's crazy how much better I feel throughout the day knowing that I've done my writing. Mm. Like I got into it, and I don't have to spend all day going like, "Oh, please leave me alone (laughs) for twenty minutes or an hour."
0: I know, and I always would be like, "I'm going to do it during nap time," but then like when I had kids who were of napping age, but then my house would be like so utterly destroyed yes (laughs) Um, I'm like I mean we've had every iteration of like who works what hours but I'm the one who has for most of our time with children spend more time at home doing domestic labor Mm -hmm. and I nap time is straightening up time I could never make it anything else I deeply admire people who can write while their children are asleep
1: yeah. Yes, but my home is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something always has to give. And that's the thing that, like, as an Aries type A personality, is very hard for me It's to accept that, you know? So it's like, I'm coming
0: to peace with it. I'm glad. I'll get there one day, right? One day. <laughs> one day. Sure. 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 Yeah. 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 The
2: guilt. I Chris, I was so curious after reading your book about – drafting process because it seemed like this book could have been much longer or much shorter just in in a way where i think it's the right length it is as it should be but just it's so rich and you're pulling so much from your own life whether it be obviously the text but the documentation throughout and it just it seemed like because you were pulling from like some of the most personal stories you have i was wondering if it was it was difficult to know what to, what to tell. I don't know. I just, I, I I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around this, how personal it was and just how, how to edit a piece like this, how to edit a, a book like this.
0: Yeah. Well, so I feel really lucky. I, have heard a lot of your guests be really open just about like their ambitions and their hopes for like submissions and agents and editing and their careers and all of that kind of stuff. I know that it's a short book, um, by word count. It looks normal. Like if totally. you look at it on the bookshelf in terms of its size, but the word count is kind of low. It's on the low end and it's like 42,000 words. Um, And I was concerned that I would be told to do a lot of things with it, like make it more linear, make it make sense, don't change the POV over and over. There's too many pictures. Like, I had all of these, like, um, almost voices in my own head that never really came to fruition in the process of like making the book. Um, I was very helped by the fact that, like, to go back to my prompt driven life, like, I always knew that if I wrote, a memoir. Like I, I read so many memoirs when I decided to start writing nonfiction, which I did not go to school for, but then switched into while I was in school. And I was like, I got to read like as many memoirs as I can to just like start to figure out what they are before I become like an intruder in the genre overnight. (laughs) Um, and I really liked memoirs that had sections like you, where you could, um, talk about one part of your life or use one form and then you could just like reinvent the way that the story is being told like I always was very drawn to that because it's like, exciting to me as a reader um, totally. and was like I was like I'll I could say anything if I have the right form like I very much like was it felt a lot less personal and intimate while I was writing it than it did. Like, I know Lindsay, you said you are listening to the audio book. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, honestly, the book was done. And when I sat in a studio, it it took like one day and then one hour, like I did it basically like very quickly. Um, I was like, <laughs> this is really personal i just
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <definitely>, uh, yeah
2: <laughs> so obviously
0: like a book goes through like i did so many like edit edits of all of it over and over again like with my agent and then with my editor and then like copy it like i did all of the normal processes of editing but i was so focused on what it looked like and what the form was and how ideas followed each other and where was the research and like I was so focused on the form and the formal play that I almost didn't stop to think like what is in it? Mm. Like I, I, I don't. And I think that for me, that's why more experimental forms of nonfiction, whether that's like there's images and, you know, weird text stuff happening, or if it's just like what I just read is like one of, it's just like a mega paragraph, right? Like it's just like all of these things happening at one time and there's not one moment or one thing that's really being explored like that formal play. Like I really feel like it prompts me to be very intimate in a way that I wouldn't be in other kinds of writing. Mm
2: -hmm. I think that is really the right word because as I was reading this, it never felt strange to me. It felt just so intimate. And the, you know, the way the documentation is presented and then the fact that you know we're seeing baby pictures of you we're seeing baby pictures of your first child and just it it's it was just it felt yeah intimate was really the word i was blown away by the intimacy because um i guess that's really where my question came from i'm totally rambling with this chris but i just was i i was thinking as i was reading i could never do this i wouldn't even know how to do this i wouldn't know how to begin a project like this
1: it reminds me of like you know i i talk about constraints a lot because it it helps me get into the work and and it sounds like you know the prompts were helping you get into the work because it helps you focus on the prompt itself or the play that you're you know like you're playing as you're writing Mm -hmm. you're having fun and and the intimacy and and your truth is what you take for granted right and so you're almost not even paying attention to like that like you were saying chris you 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 know you were saying like I, i wasn't really paying attention to how how personal it was because I was having, you know, I was so concerned with the with the with the, the form and the playing and the yeah. and the prompting and and it's and it's interesting because it's I think a lot of writers um, have a hard time into something they want to write and and constraints or prompts can help you
0: get there. Right. Well, yeah. A lot of times I had like with you know the book is in six sections and the first five. I would say that the sixth, the last section is the most traditional essay out of all of them. Um, where it's like I wanted to say a thing and it's like I just wrote it down. Mm. Um, not that there's not some formal play in there because it's like me and I can't stop myself. So there's like some <laughs> stuff, but your first five, I think they all have like false versions of themselves that existed before the form actually came to me. Like oh. I false always...
1: versions of themselves. Yeah, like where I love that. Are you saying <laughs> so? Like it's a draft, but it's a false
0: yeah. version of itself because it's not a oh. dra- it's not a draft if it's not really true. Like right, like in nonfiction, there are a lot of ways that you could write one thing. And there's the one that's going to get you closest to like whatever it is that you're trying to portray, not like the facts that happen. Because the facts of what happened in the book are extremely narrowly limited. It's a very small number of like actual events that occur. Like I got pregnant. I had a baby. I moved to Michigan. Like there's just not like that much happening plot wise. But Mm -hmm. I sat down to write this essay at some point about how I feel about the fact that um looking at baby pictures of Samson, the baby that I made um, out of my three kids, I only gave birth to one of them. It was the middle one. I had this essay that was very straightforward and um, it was just like words and in order with paragraphs and stuff. And it was about like how I feel about the fact that we look the same, like how, how complicated those feelings are for me being like a trans person who has felt alienated from images of myself and then like tried to work on being okay with them and trying to write with them and then um, having this kid who just like got to be the boy version of me, mm-hmm. you know, like I was so early on in his life, I was so angry and jealous and had all these like very negative and unhealthy feelings. And I think a lot of parents have unhealthy feelings about what their kids mean in their lives. But when I just wrote it straightforwardly, I was like, you're not, you're not getting to it. You're just mm-hmm. so far away from it still. Um, and then I decided that if I wrote like in epistolary style to my mother about how i felt about my baby pictures like then maybe it would like be more open and honest and i i think that it is than whatever i tried first which i i haven't looked at in such a long time but it's just like a false essay about the same thing
2: that was my favorite section in the book the the one addressed to your mother the epistolary one that 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 one really got me i
1: Do you feel like the the false version of it was a necessary exercise for you to to write that so that you could sort of see, okay, no, not that? Do you feel like it was obfuscation on your part?
0: No, I don't think that. I'm not in a rush to write like tons and tons and tons of books or things. Um, I don't have some of the pressures that other writers do of needing their writing to sustain them financially or... Get them tenure i just like i'm a person with a nine to five and i write things so um i don't feel pressure to get it right at any particular time um and i feel like for me the early drafts are necessary because they help me like kind of scout out what mm-hmm. the what's in there like there's often I'm someone who like can't stop reading about random nonsense while I'm writing an essay. I'll be like, I'm writing an essay about this, but it's actually like about Marie Curie. And then I'll read like (laughs) biographies and graphic novels. I'll just like go to the library and get all this random nonsense. And like a lot of times, I'm like, all right, this whole Marie Curie section needs to be cut out. So then, (laughs) that doesn't mean that that work was a waste. It just means I I was trying to figure out what to write about and I eventually found it and nothing that I did on the way was a particular waste to me.
1: I'm really glad you brought up the the feelings you had about Samson when you, you know, when you first found out that he was a boy and your immediate reaction was jealousy. I just found that so poignant and so true. Um, because I feel like, <laughs> I mean, I'm of, two, I'm of two minds. Like I feel like um, the conflicting emotions that parenthood, and and birthhood <laughs> and still in one are are like I feel like that could be like there's not enough out there about that um you know like I I think about like when I found out I was pregnant with my third and I was filled with rage and sorrow and just helplessness um and there's these feelings that you just have that you don't you know like you you can't fight them they're there um and I just, I don't know, I found that to be such an honest, like, poignant, hard thing, you know, and I was really glad that it was in the book.
0: Thanks. Yeah, I think you move through the feelings like you're always going to have in my life, I'm always going to have new and different feelings about the meaning of my family members in my life. So totally. I feel like it's, it's okay to write about the bad the bad parts of it all because I don't like what is happening changes so much like Samson was five when I finished the book and now he's like about to turn eight and it's just like everything is so different than it was then just like it's going to be in another two or three years
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. man that's true it is always changing and (laughs) I feel like new parents like as soon as your baby starts sleeping you're like all right I'm good Oh God. <laughs> and then you find out <laughs> that it changes Oof. again and again and again and again
0: but it is such a profound relief like mm-hmm. and I also feel like um I something interesting about writing the book is that it took place over this period of time that like my third child who's five and a half he is basically not in the book at all um mm-hmm. like very briefly mentioned even though like he had lived a kind of robust life by that time. He was a toddler, but, um, he was eight months old when I got to the MFA and we really didn't have much childcare early on. So like a lot of the writing I was doing had like those baby kind of interruptions. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was writing the last section, like bedtime was kind of normal and like, I wasn't like, he wasn't falling randomly and hitting his head on surfaces like that. Oh time, yeah. That time when you're like constant surveillance of my child or else they'll like die somehow. Right. <laughs> so there's like a mental clarity that you can only have once you're out of it.
1: Mm-hmm. How does it feel like, how, how does having a book out feel? Um, you know, and it can be this specific book or just in general, like when you were thinking I'm going to have a book out, like How did you think it was going to feel versus how does it feel?
0: I went through a lot of phases of feelings,
1: (laughs) right? Um,
0: Move through the feelings. Yes, really. When I, when we, when I finished my graduate program and I had a draft of a book and I had somehow magically secured an agent, like, which happened very honestly in a very lucky and fortuitous way for me, I was like, well, I have an agent, but like, it's not like this book's ever going to sell. I mean, look at it. You know, it, was just like, <laughs> at that point, it literally like fit on a hundred pages. Like I wrote all of the, like a lot of the little sections, like were on their own page and there was even more formal experimentation early on. Like I was like, it's so nice that my agent believes in me. And I think it's, a, I think there's good writing in here, but I'm just going to like find a job. Um, I'm not going to try to like find a writing adjacent job or get a part-time job and try to write a lot more. Like, I'm just going to like have a new life, a new iteration of my life. And maybe I'll write something new and maybe this book will like one day work out somehow. Um, so I got really immersed in a very strange day job that I have, um, in a pediatric oncology clinic. And, um, I had to learn a lot and I had to read a lot and it's a very rigorous work environment. And I was, it was a new position that I was the first person to be in. So yeah, the book sold like three months after I started the job. I like, (laughs) I, I wasn't, I, I was sitting at my desk. I didn't, I have three office mates, like since COVID I've been working from home, but um, when I was in the office and then like they're now back in the office, but my job is like really not site specific so I-, I am going back slowly. Um, my office mates are two social workers and a chaplain, and they knew that I like went to writing school, but I, I played it I was just like, yeah, I was just like bored with my life and like Anna I <laughs> Anna and I wanted to try living somewhere new and I like wrote a lot of weird stuff and like here's this chapbook that I made and like I'm so glad I did that and I'm so glad that I'm here now at this job. You know, like just very much like didn't talk about it a lot, but I like abruptly left my desk to take this phone call with the editor who ended up acquiring the book and my agent like the call that you make. um, Oh my God. I was like, all right, I'm going to step out for a minute and just like went downstairs to the lobby of the hospital and was just like sitting in a quiet area and just like watching all the patients and families come into the clinic. And, um, yeah. then I was like, okay, now I'm editing this book and I'm going to have to dive back into like all these hard feelings that I had. And, um, I feel super blessed that I had this distraction of something else in my life Mm -hmm. that was rigorous, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that the edits would have been as good or I would have been as attentive if I couldn't be like, I'm going to turn off my writer self and I'm going to like go to my desk job and then I'm going to turn that off and get to sit with this like art that isn't part of my work life. Um, Mm -hmm. So that helped me a lot stave off the anxiety and all the feelings about like my memoir coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I had a very intense spike of doom. (laughs) Like, (laughs) probably like I think when I first I and then you know it's like you think nothing will ever you I think for me I have like major imposter syndrome like almost all writers I know so I was like sure it's going to be a book but like it's not like anyone will read it or pay attention to it and like nothing's going to happen and it'll just be like something that I did once and like that's great um but then the first time I had to do even the most minor kind of like publicity anything it sent me like absolutely spiraling into Ugh. doom. And <laughs> um, oh, so I was just building up for like, wow, that like Anna, my partner's a workaholic and she like took off publication week. She's, oh, wow. it's, she was just like, I, I have not seen you in this state before Oh my god! going to be like, and then someone told me that it was going to feel super anticlimactic. And I had heard a lot of people say the same thing. Um, But I feel extremely blessed and again, very lucky that it felt climactic in a very nice way and all of the bad feelings have passed. Um, I just wanted the day to come and be over. It felt Mm -hmm. weird. Like, I think everything to me kind of feels like being pregnant, but that, you know, it's like, I was so anxious and I was like, what's gonna happen? And then once it happened, it was over. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel really glad that Tuesday is crossed out. (laughs) Um, I also have to admit, this is super dorky, but like, I was really, I just feel like your podcast is such a great thing to exist in the world and (gasps) something I wanted. And I was like, it's at the end of the week. So like, if you get through like some of the other... Stuff you have to do like this is gonna be like a
2: good part
1: oh, oh that makes you. me so happy
2: thank you chris
1: we were something to look forward to that's like all i've ever wanted in my life i, I love it <laughs> wow it's thank you
0: so nice just to like hear other writers talk about like their jobs and things that they're thinking about like I just really appreciate that it exists
1: we're not alone even as we're alone at 4 a.m typing
2: (laughs) (laughs) Chris I'm so impressed with your just general attitude towards everything I gotta be honest I mean just the the way you're speaking about your work and I love that you have so much respect for the work you're doing I mean obviously what you're doing it sounds incredibly important but I just, I just like that writing is a piece of your life, but you aren't. I don't know. I just am really impressed by your overall <laughs> approach to all yeah, this. Yeah, I
1: think like Alex and I talk about this, and this is kind of the impetus for "I'm a Writer," but is is kind of exploring the writer's life that doesn't have anything to do.
0: I think a lot about um, what it would be like to try to find a job that's either like in the writing industry or like. I don't know. Trying to dip my toe into academia, which feels like a doomed enterprise from yeah. the start of any of that. And I'm like, would I would I struggle with having my entire life be cooked up in this like right so called writing career that I suppose I now have to admit that I have. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I I might want it one day, but right now I'm kind of like I don't know that I'm there yet.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do you have ambitions? you know, I, I know you said like, I might write another thing. Like, do you have sort of designs on another book or some other format?
0: I don't, I, I feel like the obsessive pull that this project had on me. I don't have that right now. Mm. I have, um, I just signed up for Scrivener. Ooh, um, okay. I know I, I wrote this book in InDesign, which is like, I, Whoa. I know I don't, I can't say I don't recommend it because it turned out okay, but I couldn't like deal with word processing. So I learned InDesign on my own. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm sure that whoever designed, like Jordan who designed this book was probably like this fucking guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Zach Dotson was talking about that too. when He was writing his um, bats of the Republic. And I think the one he's writing now is in InDesign and And how obnoxious that was for
0: <laughs> the <laughs> publisher. Well, I was just like, every time I hit enter, everything's ruined. I can't mm-hmm. <laughs> word. I can't do it. So um, I'm not doing that anymore because I don't have like a visual project. But I I do have a couple of like Scrivener, like like working documents that are like a couple thousand pages long, and like one's fiction and one's nonfiction, and I'm just kind of like. Writing into them and being like, I wish I had something that like had totally grabbed hold of me, but I don't. Um, but I have a totally made up goal of writing seven books in my life. Oh, um, I, yeah, it feels like a good number. Right? It feels like a good a good number. Yeah, it's just that's a nice.
2: It's just a nice number. thing to say. It's mm-hmm. just like seven
0: books. All right. I made a fatal error. Like my kids um, this week, they remember that I am a writer because <laughs> my partner like planned like got a cake and they got like decoration for like when I, you know, came out of bed on lunch day. Um and then they have seen it in a bookstore, which they're oh, like, amazing. You know, like it's real, but they're always like, oh I for you know, they'd like literally forget that this is a thing because mm-hmm. they're so- <laughs> that I have like a day job that they can't handle the thought that I have other work to do. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I told them at dinner one night that my goal is to write seven books. And they told me that, well, I've only written one and I'm already 30. <laughs> so, they were like, you should write a six part time oh travel series. <laughs> like, this is ingenious, but I, I cannot do that without your help, guys. Like, I don't know about the time travel genre. <laughs>
2: Oh my God. Well, that's a little Hi. daunting because we're almost exactly the same age, Chris. And I know your exact birthday cause it's in the book and seven yeah. books is a lot for me. So God, I don't know. I'm just, maybe you can take my seven too and do 14.
0: <laughs> well, there's this thing in CrossFit where like, you know, you have, they have these workouts where they tell you an amount of time you have, and then they tell you like what you need to do in one round. It's called an AMRAP. It's like as many rounds as possible. So it'll be like, 15 minutes as many rounds as possible of like 10 burpees 10 box jumps and like 10 overhead squats and then you just like have to do it for 15 minutes and i have this very serious problem as a not athlete as a person who attends the gym where i'll (laughs) i'll set a goal i'll be like My goal is to do five rounds and then if I get to five rounds and there's five minutes left, I just my pace totally changes. Mm. (laughs) Um, The laziest person ever. (laughs) coach looking because if not I'm just standing around like I (laughs) I know I have to set a goal that I probably like can't reach unless like I have an amazing rich artistic life because otherwise if I was like I'll write three books then like I'll get to three and just be like that was fun
1: (laughs) check (laughs) (laughs) well Chris this was amazing
2: so fun thank you
0: I appreciate you all having me on so much. Like I said, it was something I was looking forward to. I got to read new shit. I'm so happy.
1: Oh, we awesome. are so happy. Your new shit is incredible. Awesome. Please awesome. keep going. Keep and going. I know you will because you're cross-fitting your writing.
2: That's
1: right. I'm amrap.
2: Trying to Amrap. <laughs> <laughs> That was great.
1: I forgot to tell him Ben's corner opinion, which okay. is, you know, he was talking about, oh, you know, it's it's short, and I know that's hard. Ben's firm opinion <laughs> on books and movies is nobody has ever sat around going, oh, that should have been longer. He's right. <laughs> He's right. Most people are like, oh, that should have been shorter. Right? Like Yeah. All the Avengers movies can be like 30 minutes shorter than they are. Sure. I'm ne- I've never read a book and thought, that needed 100 more pages or 20 more pages. Never. So, Chris, never. your book is Liter- perfect.
2: Literally never. Yeah. Your
1: book Chris is, is the, the perfect, book is perfect length. Yes.
2: It it doesn't, like, it feels the right length. My question was so rambling and stupid that it, it came off like I was not saying it. It really does feel appropriate. But I just remember thinking, like, if I was trying to excavate my own life for a similar project, which I couldn't do, but I would have no idea how to parse it. I don't know. I just was so impressed by The book. I really was.
1: It makes me think of, um, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but Paul Yoon's novel, which was like. The Mountain? Yeah, which was like 500 pages and he whittled it down to like 150 pages.
2: Oh, I did not know that was the process with that.
1: Yeah. So it was like a a process of like extreme honing, you know, like with a small knife Mm -hmm. um, and restraint. Um, Yeah. And you can kind of see that in. In Chris's book too, like, mm-hmm. and maybe that like the prompt writing really helps with that, you know, it like gets you in, gets you out, right? And I just love the idea of of a false version of itself.
2: That was great.
1: And that being different than a draft.
2: It's such a hopeful phrasing. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice.
1: I loved that. So yes, everybody get Chris's book.
2: It's a it, nice yellow book. There should be it, more yellow books.
1: The Natural Mother of the Child, A Memoir of Non-Binary Parenthood, Chris Malcolm Belk. It's wonderful. Um, it's fun to read because it it's so adventurous and yes. playful, even as it's dealing with some pretty hard stuff. Uh, I finished reading Melanie Finn's book and I oh, yeah loved it. I wanted to <laughs> run around my house. It ends so beautifully, so perfect. I want to oh. talk to her because it feels like she started writing it before the pandemic and then picked it back up during the pandemic i don't know really um and finished it then i don't know um i definitely want to talk to her about like the two halves of it oh, and cool. this is really cool so i did this event with um, megan steelstra yeah called geek out through story studio where we talked about mm-hmm. mary ruffles essay the pause which is all about menopause and megan and i are in our 40s so obviously we're thinking about that and um and Rebecca Mackay was like sort of being the host. And, and at the end of it, we were talking about how we don't really see a lot of menopausal characters in fiction mm. and somebody, you know, needs to jump on that. And this book, Melanie Finn's book, the hair in the second half, it's all from the point of view of the same character of, of, of the first half, but she's in her fifties and she's menopausal and it's wonderful. Mm. <laughs> it is so
2: wonderful. Um Anyway, so please. I can't even think of one menopausal character. I know, right? Is there like a famous movie with one? I can't even think of one.
1: I don't know. I I think like, because she specifically, the character in the book, in the hair, specifically talks about her hot flashes and menopause and stuff like that and being invisible to men and like her sex drive being gone. And and so like it is like overtly about that. The book is overtly about women, womanhood. Mm -hmm. um, And like, being prey almost Hmm. hence the title the hair but anyway um but i feel like you could you could argue that like mayor of east town is menopausal you could argue that like in the upside of anger what's her name is menopausal which is a movie from i don't know 20 years ago right um is that oh god what is her name honey who was in the upside of anger joan allen
2: oh i love joan allen
1: joan allen who could play melanie finn in the movie or melanie finn could play her they kind of look the same but um there you go I would say Joan Allen and the Upside of Anger is menopausal. You could argue like, like Samantha goes through menopause and sex in the city. But yeah, like there's not enough because it is such a wild time in a woman's life. Um, so I think it could be really fun. That's your prompt, everyone. Chris, that's your prompt. Everybody write about a menopausal woman. <laughs> write wait. something. Yeah, Alex, you too. Yeah,
2: I'm on it. I'm doing it right now.
1: But now I'm reading Great Circle, and um, I'm like 150 pages in, and it's incredible in a different way.
2: I started Night Bitch. Oh, that's my next one. Mm -hmm. It's my kind of book. It goes right away. It's like, okay, here we go. I love it. Yes.
1: And I can tell that's a book that I'm not going to go, this should have been longer.
2: No, it's, I mean, you pick it up. It's Mm -hmm. nice Yes, it's nice and trim. I'm going to guess 280, 270
1: something. I don't have it next to me or else I would
2: tell you. Yeah, I don't know. It's upstairs. Mine's next to my
1: bed. My beddy buy. Yeah, that's the book I'm reading next and I'm very excited. And we're going to talk to Rachel Mm -hmm. next month. And I've been waking up every morning to write. Some fun things have been happening in there in that book. (laughs) But you know, like part of me is like, I'm going to go back and read these thousands of words that I've been writing 5am yes and be like these are fever dreams
2: oh my god <laughs> <You know? laughs> like
1: what the hell am i talking about here but oh well you know
2: I, yeah i have i've been reading mostly on my phone during my lunch breaks at work because when i'm home i my book is on submission right now and so i'm trying to like not think of like i've just been watching skyfall over and over mm. <laughs> What is? i don't that? know i don't know if you're a that's the uh, it's a James Bond movie. Oh, but I love it. I love Skyfall. I could watch it every night. If there Are was a watching it if on there the was, TV, I'm watching it on the TV. That's on the that goes on the TV. OK, and, uh, is Brit watching it, too? Oh, no, 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 okay. no. It's just this is like viewing. this is yeah, this is like between the hours of like 1230 and 3 a.m. until I fall asleep. I just I'm like, you know, it's don't Skyfall you, time.
1: Don't you wake up at 3 a.m.?
2: Tomorrow I do, but not every day. Oh my day. God.
1: <laughs> Why don't you uh, not put Skyfall on and just go to sleep? Skyfall into bed.
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's a good movie. Have you seen it? It's pretty fun.
1: No, I, I, I am intrigued.
2: Have you really never seen it?
1: No. Do you? Which one is it? Oh man.
2: It's the one with uh, Javier Bardem is the bad guy.
1: Honey, have and, I seen uh, Skyfall? <laughs> he goes, oh, is that the one where he has a fancy watch? <laughs>
2: Oh Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs>
2: oh Ben. Ben uh, Sam Mendes directed it. You know, you don't you like I fancy Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes? Well, I there do. you go. Jesus Christ. I'm sure it's I would beautiful. like it. I've just never seen it. Have you seen you've seen James Bond movies before, though, right?
1: I feel like I saw one Daniel Craig one.
2: Okay. Maybe you've probably seen this one. This is and probably I the one it. you saw
1: okay yeah i'm gonna i'm looking it up right now okay it's on hulu
2: your favorite thing it was on a disc we got from netflix okay did you hear that yeah (laughs) okay this
1: might be the one we saw honey it was in 2012 great year maybe not no because i don't think i saw one with javier bardem
2: oh you gotta watch it it's just gonna change your life
1: honey it's on hulu the hulu songs
2: Oh, absolutely
1: He's no longer there. I don't know
2: where he went. Does it have like a long theme song by a pop star when you're like yeah, fucking Adele, Ben? It's Adele, honey. Jeez. Ah, you yeah. he probably, <laughs> he's probably heard that song a million times. I think I have heard that song. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. Skyfall. That's Skyfall. Yeah, no, no thoughts. Just James Bond.
1: Okay. Okay. I used to watch. It's complicated over and over. Is that the same thing?
2: <laughs> oh my god! What the fuck is It's complicated? Which one is that?
1: <laughs> it's a nancy myers film
2: oh, okay We've starring seen it then
1: meryl streep alec baldwin and steve martin
2: i've seen this yeah
1: and i don't know why but it just spoke to me and especially the scene where they dance to um don't do me like La- don't do me like that by tom petty great song they talk about they talk about her 40th birthday party
2: one of the all-time posters i'm looking at right now for it's complicated oh my god, uh i have to look it up oh <laughs> my god
1: I just, I don't know why. And the movie, the movie's objectively like just okay, mm-hmm. but there's just something, and it goes beyond like, you know, like Nancy Myers is is like all about like the rich white lady storyline. Sure. Uh, hey, kitchens. speaking of menopause or postmenopausal characters, Nancy oh, here Myers we go. films. Right there you um, go. So I'm like, I'm sure it's like eye candy on some part, but it's also just like I don't know, Meryl Streep. I just I could watch her in anything. Sure. Anyway, so that's my Skyfall, but I, ha- oh, I actually wow. haven't watched it in
2: years. Full circle, guess where Nancy Myers was born. Oh, my God. Marquette. Philadelphia, home oh. of Chris Belk. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Pretty cool.
1: On that note. Cool.
2: On that note, <laughs> we did it.
1: <laughs> Bye. Bye. I'm a writer, but is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter, in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yeah, yeah!